Hello, my name is Giovanni and this is Social Medicine, my weekly therapy session wherein we delve deep into the issues that are on my mind. This week we will be talking about the coronavirus, the thing that was going to unite all Americans and convince us to work together and make the selfless sacrifice of staying home and away from others so that our lives can go back to normal sooner rather than later. Unfortunately, as you are all aware, things didn't go this well. The greatest country on earth fast became the one with the largest number of confirmed cases, over 950,000 as of writing. I originally wanted to focus on how this pandemic has affected me, you know, keep it personal. I could tell you about what is happening in my life and what I do to keep busy and whatnot. I thought that this would help lift spirits and help me feel better. I thought getting this off my chest would, you know, help alleviate the stress and anxiety we're all feeling. And although I will touch upon this, it will not be the focus of this episode, as you will see. I started thinking about the problems. Um, how has and is the government handling this epidemic? What has been the general response? Now, a word of warning before I go any further, um, you will hear a lot of harsh language. I will be reading some of the internet's responses to the happenings across the nation, and as I'm sure is the case with a lot of you listening, people are pissed for a variety of reasons. Additionally, I will be speaking very negatively about our president. This isn't a political issue, nor should it be treated as such. I have never liked the president, as almost none of it has to do with his political alignment or party. I, it all has to do with the person that he is, and mostly the person he should be, but isn't. I can't fathom people still supporting the man after a lot of the things he said during the pandemic. Seeing as this is a coronavirus episode, I will focus on his actions and reactions during the pandemic, which is more than enough material to criticize the man. For any listeners who find themselves supporting the president and plan on voting for him this November, I ask you to still listen to what I have to say. As I've stated in the intro episode, you, we should be able to listen to one another, like actually listen and not feel attacked. If you only listen to those who confirm your biases and never seek to challenge your beliefs, I implore you to detach yourself from your usually cowardly ways and try to become more productive with your limited time on this planet. I would like to begin with a section dedicated to the original idea for this episode, my experience as I mentioned before. It goes without saying that it's not a happy one and echoes the experiences of every American one way or another. Now, I am grateful to have suffered comparatively less than those who are financially desperate and those who are sick and dead. A lot of the passion that I will be showcasing will come from a place of guilt for being here where so many equally deserving aren't. I work an on-campus job at the University of Oklahoma and was laid off for at least the remainder of the semester, the week after spring break, if memory serves me right. Ever since, I've been working on schoolwork, making progress on my book, rebooting the show, and spending time with my family. I would be lying if I didn't say I felt guilty every day this past month and a half. Guilty for not being as productive as I usually try to be. I've looked for jobs that allow me to work from home to no avail. Half of me detests the fact that I'm not working and the other half is glad that I'm not out there endangering my well-being and that of my parents. I feel guilty for being in a healthy financial situation where I'm able to pay my bills and food with the money I have saved up. This of course will not last me forever, but I am already in a situation that millions of Americans are not so fortunate to find themselves in. Physically, I'm safe. Mentally, I'm sane. But I'd be lying if I said I haven't reached some mental lows during this quarantine. But that is nothing compared to what other people have been experiencing. This episode is dedicated to those people. To the healthcare workers who put their life on the line to care for the sick. To the elderly, unable to see or hold their loved ones for fear of contamination. To the students who get to go weeks without receiving the proper education they deserve, especially those whose disabilities prevent them from adapting to the changes in how they're to receive their education and those who will not be able to participate in a traditional graduation ceremony. To the parents who have had to sacrifice so much to ensure their, their children stay safe, sane, and educated. And to those who suffer from mental illness who may not be receiving the care and attention that they deserve. These are unprecedented times. These are scary times. 
These are times where we must show ultimate restraint and empathy. At least, that is how it would go if only we weren't American. For this next section, I would like to start by saying that I am very, very curious as to what any and all of you listening are doing to stay safe and sane during this quarantine. What do you recommend I do? More importantly, I would love to hear a response to what I say in this episode. Whether it's in disagreement or agreement, I would love nothing more than to hear your opinions to So reach out to me and on social media so so you can let me know. The effects of this pandemic are numerous, but none are as universal as the changes and delays happening in the world of entertainment. Films and video games are being delayed, with productions halted due to social distancing orders. Sports fans have no sports to watch, and late night and talk shows have been forced to downsize production efforts with hosts working from home. The coronavirus has taken over the 24-hour news cycle. There's nothing for us to watch on TV. So we turn on, we turn to social media to keep us entertained, where our favorite and currently unemployed celebrities from the comfort of their home get to interact with their fans in new ways. Some decided that they were not going to let this global pandemic stop them from providing relief and entertainment to the world, like Tory Lanez and his quarantine radio live streams on Instagram, Julia Louis-Dreyfus's live stream fundraisers, and John Krasinski's Some Good News. Others, however, have taken to social media to voice their opinions regarding the situation, providing us with some interesting reactions to dive into. Um, yeah, till July sounds like a bunch of bullshit. I'm sorry. But, like, it's a virus. I get it. Like, I respect it, but at the same time, like, even if everybody gets it, like, yeah, people are gonna die. It's just terrible, but like, inevitable? I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this right now. (laughs) That was Vanessa Hudgens of High School Musical fame giving us her take on the coronavirus. Hearing the meaningless ramblings of a rich, crazy person is nothing new. I will get to him later. But this truly has me at a loss for words. It isn't necessarily the hottest take out there regarding the virus, but it is, at least to me, the most incoherent one. I am not in the position to claim whether or not Miss Hudgens was intoxicated or not. I can only hope that she was because it is her inability to make any sense that is the most offensive thing about this clip. Okay, that may be an exaggeration, but her mocking tone and physical and facial gestures really illustrate her point. She doesn't give a fuck. The death of thousands is inevitable, and therefore not a big deal. She then attempts to clear things up by not clearing them up. Hey guys, so yesterday I did an Instagram live and I realized today that some of my comments are being taken out of context. Um, It's a crazy time. It's a crazy, crazy time. And I am at home and in lockdown. And that's what I hope you guys are doing too. In full quarantine and staying safe and sane. Um, Yeah, I don't take the situation lightly by any means. I am home. So stay inside, y'all. Her lack of self-awareness and her inability to show any ounce of empathy tells us the kind of person she is. She would later give a quote-unquote real apology and said that this was a quote, huge wake-up call to the significance my words have, end quote, which is something you'd expect a suburban white teen to tweet out after having been called out for saying the n-word and not something uttered by a 31-year-old woman. Insensitivity and tone deafness comes in many forms, however, with Gal Gadot and Crew's rendition of John Lennon's Imagine serving as a taste of celebrity self-aggrandizement, because hearing a group of healthier celebrities singing to us peasants from the comfort of their mansions will 
surely help us get through it. What other way is there for these literally tone-deaf, well-off individuals to help fight COVID-19? The world may never know. To others, it isn't enough to simply maintain their superb economic status. They may want to accrue a bigger fortune. Last week, SpaceX CEO Elon Musk tweeted, Free America Now, in all caps, in relation to the lockdowns taking place throughout the nation. He would later contradict his aggressive statement by providing a more cool-headed approach by saying, quote, Reopen with care and appropriate protection, but don't put everyone under de facto house arrest, end quote. Uh, Musk is a vocal critic of stay-at-home orders and a doubter of the severity of the pandemic, having incorrectly predicted on March 19th that based on then-current events, or excuse me, then-current trends, the U.S. would probably be close to zero new cases by the end of April. Of course, Musk's true intentions are for him to live with, but ours to speculate should go without saying that Tesla products are expensive, so it would not be a far-fetched guess to make that he wants people working, so there are more people buying his products. This would be bad enough, but digging a bit deeper shows an equally greedy motive that could possibly be at play. As reported by CNET, Musk does not receive a salary or bonuses as Tesla CEO, but is participating in a pay package that would net him close to a billion dollars. To reach the first tier of this package, Tesla needs to reach a hundred billion dollar value and then hold that value for a one month and six month long average, having reached that milestone early, earlier this week. Now it is important to note that this is the first of 12 tiers or tranches as they're called, with a total package possibly netting Musk a cool $55.8 billion, according to Business Insider. It was very important for America to be free enough to maintain Tesla's stock value until the end of those six months, as reaching that goal allows Musk to purchase 1.69 million shares of the company at $350.02 when Tesla stocks stick around $778 per share, a profit of over $720 million after Musk sells these shares. Musk cannot afford to lose this momentum, which is a possible theory as to why he wants America freed now as well as why he decided to name his human son what he did. Now, of course, famous people are not the only ones with opinions. It seems that for every person staying home and practicing social, safe social distancing and you know wearing masks when going out, we have someone ignoring those preventative measures and or protesting said preventative measures. There are three groups of people I would like to discuss you know, to focus on in this discussion, those in my community and many others ignoring stay at home and social distancing recommendations, um, those who are looking to profit from this pandemic and those whose protesting has been highlighted on the news and encouraged by the president. To the former, I would say this, it is incredibly disheartening to go out to the grocery store and be the only one wearing a mask or attempting to stay at a safe distance from others. We humans have a self-centered worldview where we, as protagonists of our lives, cannot get hurt, which also coincides with the low sense of social responsibility that these people are perfectly exhibiting. Our perceived indestructibility is, ironically, what it, what is killing us. This can be normally seen, for example, in cases of drunk driving, but is in full swing during this pandemic. It's normal for me to drive past truck meets with dozens of friends parking their trucks close together at a vacant parking lot and hanging out. These young and relatively healthy Healthy individuals are probably encouraged to attend such meetings because their interactions with potential carriers have not resulted in their infection. But in reality, due to the insufficient testing for all people, but especially potential asymptomatic carriers in this state and the country as a whole, they are silently bringing the coronavirus to their homes, where an immunocompromised family member can easily contract, contract it and suffer severely. But that is all just a possibility to these people, a possibility that, because it has yet to happen, could never happen. It's because of this false sense of security that thousands of 
of innocent people are losing their life. They may be following all the preventative measures, self-quarantine, washing their hands regularly, disinfecting, but it only takes their son or daughter to bring it to their home for it to end in tragedy. It's not worth losing a parent or grandparent because you wanted to hang out with your friends. I shouldn't have to say that. I urge everyone listening to stay informed and stay safe whatever your circumstances may be. If you have to work, do so in as safe a manner as possible. If you have to go out, make sure you wear a face mask and stay six feet away from others. There's been so much needless and preventable preventable death in this nation that hurts me to see people that are still skeptical of the validity of the virus's deadliness. No one has to die, so let's all do our part in ensuring that we flatten the curve. Very early on in this pandemic, when the number of confirmed cases began to rise and measures such as staying home and away from others began to be set in place across America, students were forced to make the difficult decision of staying home for spring break or casting aside every recommendation set in place for this pandemic and traveling somewhere beautiful for the break. Spring breakers in Miami, like Brady Sluter or Slutter, have some choice words about the virus. If I get corona, I get corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. We've been waiting for Miami spring break for a while. About two months we've had this trip planned. Two, three months. We're just out here having a good time. Whatever happens, happens. With the bars being closed, you know, we'll find alternatives. Unfortunately, it does suck. Like the bars and restaurants are closed, but we'll find ways out for it. If he gets corona, he gets corona. It sounds like something a horny teenager would say when weighing the consequences of using protection or not. If I get her pregnant, I get her pregnant. The only difference being that Brady is a grown man, albeit one with very limited critical thinking skills and the completely wrong priorities in mind. A more reasonable line of thinking would have gone like this. Hmm, is it really worth it to spend thousands of dollars on travel and hotel expenses to travel to Florida so that I can imagine swimming in the beaches that are rightfully closed due to there being a highly contagious virus going around that can result in me contracting the deadly disease that I would only be spreading to my closest friends and infecting my family with, which could result in them potentially becoming seriously ill and or facing death? Probably not. I'll just stay home. But like I'm saying, these people are so insanely selfish that they don't even stop and consider the consequences of their ridiculously idiotic actions and words. Here are some more examples. Like it's really messing up with my spring break. What is there to do here other than go to the bars or the beach and they're closing all of it? It's really messing up. I think they're blowing it way out of proportion. I think it's doing way too much. She's doing us bad. We need a refund. This virus ain't that serious. It's serious. It's more serious things out there like hunger and poverty, and we need to address yes, that. That was Brianna Leader and Atlantis Walker, two prime examples of the rising COVID moniker, which can be defined as someone who either ignores public health and safety warnings regarding the coronavirus or those who hoard food and supplies, which I'll get to in a bit. Atlantis makes a good point. There are some serious issues in the world that we as a human race need to address, such as ending world hunger and poverty. But claiming that the seriousness of these issues trumps the outright existence of the coronavirus is uh, just too much. If anything, I highly doubt that Atlantis is a monthly contributor to something like Feed the Children. Now, before I move on from this group of spring breakers, I want to mention that the first guy you heard, if I get corona, I get corona. That guy, he makes music under the name of Slut, which is the least intimidating slash funniest rap name I have ever heard. Now, I will not say anything about this man's music because he's doing something, you know. He's being creative and being brave enough to share his art with the world. I will always respect that. So here's a taste of his music. He is featured on three tracks, um, but 
actually has four original songs available on Spotify. I will be showing you the song titled Better Things, which he has a music video for up on his YouTube channel. Take a listen. I don't give a damn what all these fucking haters gotta say. Now, I chose to show you guys this particular section because of the reference he made to his haters, a topic he returns to a number of times throughout his discography. I just find it funny that back in 2019, this man was dissing his non-existent haters, and now that he has a taste of internet backlash in 2020, he rushes to Instagram to post an apology. What happened, slut? I, I thought you didn't care what these haters had to say. I thought you didn't care if you contracted corona and inadvertently jeopardized your family's well-being. Come on, man. You were so lit back then. The clout changed you. But in all seriousness, I do want to read his apology in full to be fair to Slud. It reads, I would like to sincerely apologize for the insensitive comment I made in regards to COVID-19 while on spring break. I wasn't aware of the severity of my actions and comments. I'd like to take this time to own up to the mistakes I've made and apologize to the people I've offended. Like many others, I have elderly people who I adore more than anything in the world and other family members who are at risk and I understand how concerning this disease is for us all. Our generation may feel invincible like I did when I commented, but we have a responsibility to listen and follow the recommendations in our communities. I will continue to reflect and learn from this and continue to pray for our well-being. I deeply apologize from the bottom of my heart for my insensitivity and awareness, unawareness of my actions. And he captioned, there's like a screenshot of a memo and he captioned it by saying, I've done a lot of things in my life that I'm not proud of. I failed. I've let down and I've made plenty of mistakes. I can't apologize enough to the people I've offended and the lives I've insulted. I'm not asking for your forgiveness or pity. I want to use this as motivation to become a better person, a better son, a better friend, and a better citizen. Listen to your communities and do as health officials say. Life is precious. Don't be arrogant and think you're invincible like myself. I've learned from these trying times and I've felt the repercussions to the fullest. Unfortunately, simply apologizing doesn't justify my behavior. I'm simply owning up to my mistakes and taking full responsibility for my actions. Thank you for your time and stay safe, everyone. I do genuinely hope that Slud means every word he said in his apology and it, you know, he sounds like he did and that he deeply regrets the stupid comments he made downplaying the seriousness of COVID-19. Now, I sincerely hope you don't do what you said you do in your song. If I let you down, well, I'll probably hear my fucking life. But I do hope you and other young adults are learning about their responsibility to their family, friends, and one another to stay safe. It's something I hope young people in my community would realize. Earlier, I mentioned hoarders. So let's talk about them. I remember seeing so many videos of people buying out entire stores worth of supplies, essential supplies like disinfectants and toilet paper, which made me angrier than I care to admit. Another example of selfishness at play, but it ran deeper for others. Others like Matt Colvin of Tennessee, who reached new levels of internet infamy after a New York Times report by Jack Nikas, who himself became infamous on the internet from his work at the Wall Street Journal and his role in the advent of the adpocalypse on YouTube back in 2017, was published. Matt Colvin and his brother Noah decided to drive around on a 1,300-mile road trip across Tennessee and Kentucky to buy up a bunch of stores' supply of critical products such as bottles of hand sanitizer and antibacterial wipes, which hospitals were at the time rationing, and I'm sure still are. Long story short, he listed and sold about 300 bottles of hand sanitizer between $8 and $70. Yeah, this evil fuck was trying to profit from a pandemic by hoarding and upcharging essential products that hospitals need to save lives and other civilians need to prevent the spread of the virus. Thankfully, Amazon quickly shut down his store, leaving him with over 17,000 bottles of hand sanitizer, which he was forced to donate after the Tennessee Attorney General's office began investigating him for price gouging. Here's an excerpt from a second article. Quote, it was never my intention to keep necessary medical supplies out of the hands of people who needed them, he said, crying. That's not who I am as a person, and all I've been 
told for the last 48 hours is how much of that person I am. It continues, Now Mr. Colvin is facing consequences. On Sunday, Amazon and eBay suspended him as a seller, which is how he has made his living for years. The company where he rented a storage unit kicked him out, and the Tennessee Attorney General's office sent him a cease and desist letter and an, an open investigation. His repentful tone is a complete 180 from his arrogant tone from the original interview where he said that he was, you know, fixing, quote, inefficiencies in the marketplace. He thought he was helping send the supplies to areas of the country that needed them more. There's good news and bad news with the end of this story. The brothers reached a settlement with the state which counted their generous donation as fair restitution and the brothers had to agree to not price gouge anymore during the pandemic essentially essentially do dodging prosecution and you know being fined losing money is bad enough but being punished with what can essentially be called a slap on the wrist is no punishment at all in my opinion so fuck these guys and also fuck people sending them death threats calling him out online that you know there's no need to threaten to murder his wife and kids for this shit you fucking animals here's some words of encouragement to Matt Cole try not being such a huge piece of shit from now on that could be considered victim blaming but i don't consider mr colvin a victim anyway mr colvin please do better be better keep your head on high and live by these words haters love to talk about me but the facts ain't even right colvin wasn't the only one trying to profit from this pandemic however far from it louisiana pastors tony spell insisted on holding services in the face of stay-at-home orders and was arrested for allegedly assaulting someone protesting his shittiness with a bus. Well, on top of this, the man tried launching a viral internet challenge, urging his followers to donate their stimulus check to the church. Hashtag Pastor Spell Stimulus Challenge. Free rules. Number one, April the 19th, 2020. It begins. Rule number two, donate your stimulus money. Rule number three, donate it to evangelists, North American evangelists who haven't had an offering in a month, missionaries who haven't had an offering in a month, music ministers who haven't had an offering in a month. I'm donating my entire stimulus, $1,200. My wife is donating her stimulus, $1,200. My son is donating his stimulus, $600. Hashtag Pastor Spell Stimulus Challenge. If you don't have a church, give through my website, www.ltcbr.com. Larry Tango Charlie Baton Rouge.com. I'm here on the Mississippi River. I'm here at Red Stick, Baton Rouge. Hashtag Pastor Spell Stimulus Challenge. I'm just going to leave it at that. I should not have to explain why this is deplorable. The last group of people I said I would talk about in this section are the protesters who are going against the preventative measures in place to combat the spread of COVID-19 and are in fact actively spreading it. One of the leaders of Reopen NC is diagnosed with COVID-19. Her announcement comes after two weeks of protest in downtown Raleigh. CBS 17's... Yes, people are actually protesting lockdown orders. Now, I should preface this by saying that I empathize with some of the concerns raised. A lot of these pe you know, protests, you have people wanting their lives to go back to normal, for them to have job security and to not have to worry about whether or not they can afford to pay you know, for rent or groceries. These are all legitimate concerns that lawmakers should respond to by doing better than a one-time $1,200 stimulus check while corporations get $500 billion in bailout money, not by ending the lockdown. The amount of people wrongfully protesting for reasonable things was offset by the amount of people calling out the tyranny of state and federal governments and the supposed infringement of their First Amendment rights while holding up signs complaining about wanting to get a haircut or <laughs> signs demanding their liberty when they are exercising a liberty that they shouldn't have the common sense or they should have the common sense to maybe not exercise at this time. The craziest protesters were those claiming 
calling the coronavirus was a hoax, those who somehow confused a protest for an NRA rally, and those holding Nazi and Confederate flags. Yes, these people are real. It truly is incredible to see the worst of America being so vocal. It's like listening to a toddler screech about the dumbest things. The worst part is that, like a toddler, these people are allergic to listening to reason. The hypocrisy in America is live and well. All lives matter. Counter-protesters are now proving what we all knew that it was never about valuing American lives, but about devaluing black lives. If all lives matter, these people would shut the fuck up and stay home, instead of putting all the lives they are claiming to value at risk of getting sick or dying. It's good to know that most Americans disagree with the protest, but seeing all of those people willing to put their lives and their loved ones' lives in danger for a non-existent cause is truly disheartening. It's heartbreaking to see nurses and healthcare workers silently counter-protesting these idiots being verbally abused. I have so much to say about this, but I, I just truly can't. Fuck these people. Truly, their selfishness and irresponsible actions are counterproductive to their cause and they're too stupid to realize this. More people are getting infected because of these protests. More people are dying because of these protests. I, I want to end this segment by reading a thread posted to the subreddit r slash too afraid to ask by a user not good, I'm sorry, not Gordon, titled people who are protesting the shutdown, what the actual fuck is wrong with you? Now, fair warning, not Gordon uses some very extreme language, which I will not be censoring. This is his first amendment right to free speech, which I would be desecrating by censoring any of it. It reads, No, I'm not here to be civil or bridge the gap. You dumb motherfuckers, you. How fucking stupid do you have to be to believe a global pandemic that has probably infiltrated your own community is non-existent? How the fuck did you come to the conclusion that doctors and nurses are actors, that science, the thing that powers your home, your cars, the entire fucking world is not real? How fucking dare you question doctors and nurses? People working tirelessly and endlessly protecting you and your loved ones, even though you spit in their faces. They would save your life no matter what your views, but you ask like, cunt shits are too busy sucking the dicks of anyone who yells out freedom or my rights to even shake their hands. What's this about your right to make your own fucking decisions? The shutdown is meant to protect you dumb motherfuckers from to ensure no one else gets infected even though it restricts your movement temporarily. Are you against seatbelt mandates driving on one side of the road and stopping at red lights and stop signs? They restrict your movement just as much but you aren't protesting them you cock sucking assholes. You fucking dense failed abortions have obviously shown you can't make your own decisions because even with a shutdown law in place, you break the law because you're an entitled dumb fucking idiot, so how the fuck can you make the right decision without a law in place, you fucking cunts? Oh, people die every day, it's normal. The flu is worse. You fucking anti-vax, selfish-ass, Hitler, masturbating, circle-jerking Karens. The flu would be worse if we didn't have a vaccinations, and we would be in lockdown indefinitely. We are in lockdown now because we don't have a vaccination for COVID-19. By protesting, uh, by protesting, you're increasing the spread of the virus and making the shutdown last longer. The Second Amendment? The Second Amendment? How the fuck did this come into question? In what, in what mommy fucking inbred world are you living in that this right is in question when it comes to a global pandemic, you dumb motherfuckers? It's pronounced inalienable, you middle school education piece of shit. Tell your arrested... Okay. Tell your arrested Karen friend she's a dumb piece of shit too. Equalizing the shutdown to slavery is so beyond the scope of stupidity and ignorance, it's borderline psychotic. Temporarily staying in at home, not going to public parks is equal to being whipped, forced labor, sex slaves every day of your life? Still think you're critical still think you're a critical thinker you dumb motherfucker you where were you protesting when african americans were facing police brutality oh but when one white woman who braided an officer to be arrested you held each other's dicks and sang kumbaya and pretending 
to be victims of police abuse. She should have just followed the rules and she would have been fine. I guess that excuse didn't work for you, huh? You're the exception, right? You hypocritical motherfuckers. Just because you pay taxes does not mean you own public spaces or the authorities or the governor or anything. You privileged, spoiled fucking 40-year-old brats. Fuck you, you hypocritical cocksucker motherfucker. You. That all being said, I truly hope you stay safe and that you become more aware of your surroundings and become educated so that you can participate in society in a productive and benevolent way and enjoy life and prosper. That was a lot. Um, But finally, I would like to finish this segment by saying fuck you to anyone and everyone who is either passing this off as an overreaction and ignoring the advice of health professionals to practice social distancing and wear face masks when leaving the house or anyone who is attempting to make money from the suffering of others. You are an unempathetic, selfish piece of shit who should be ashamed of calling yourself an American, let alone a human. Wow, that took up more time than I was expecting. (laughs) To wrap up this episode, I want to talk about the disappointment that is the Trump administration. Trump doesn't care about anyone but himself. We knew this four years ago, and it is very, very clear to us now. America having as high a number of confirmed cases and deaths is this man's fault. And it is absolutely unacceptable how much he tries to shift the blame to others, how much he, as the most powerful man on earth, refuses to accept the responsibility. Calling the coronavirus a leftist hoax, ignoring all the signs and warnings given by health experts and other world leaders, downplaying the shortages uh, the shortages of PPE and testing equipment across the country, holding rallies and insisting that the virus will miraculously go away while the rest of the world was acting to stop the, vi- the spread of the virus, encouraging anti-lockdown protesters on social media and, of course, blaming the Obama administration for any and all shortages in testing kits, even though he's been president for three years, and claiming that the Obama administration left over broken tests, even though this strand of the coronavirus is a novel one, so there wouldn't be tests for that. My favorite one is him talking or him asking Dr. Deborah Burks to look into the use of UV light and the injection of disinfectant as a possible treatment and his, his response when later questioned about it. Then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost a cleaning? That you're going to have to use medical doctors with. But it sounds, it sounds interesting to me. Just to clarify, just to clarify that, sir, are you, are you encouraging Americans? You're not encouraging Americans to... No, of course. No, of course. That was... Uh, Interior-wise, it's said sarcastically. It It was put in the form of a question to a group of extraordinarily hostile people, namely the fake news media. The problem with that is that it wasn't a sarcastic question directed towards the, you know, fake news media. It was clearly directed at Dr. Burks and his coronavirus task force. Even if what this man is saying is true, does he really think that now is the time for the president of the United States to be sarcastic, to ask sarcastic questions? Furthermore, his inability to imagine why it is his fault for the spike in U.S. hotline calls regarding the disinfectant as a possible treatment for coronavirus is telling. His disdain towards what he referred to the fake news media runs deep, very deep, and it doesn't stop there. Listen to how he handles a reporter asking him about his reaction, or lack thereof, to the coronavirus throughout the month of February. ...is that you bought yourself some time, you didn't use it to prepare hospitals, you didn't use it to ramp up testing. Right you're now, so, you're so, you're so disgraceful. It's so disgraceful the way you say that. Let, let me just, listen, I just went over it. I just went over it. ...in an unprecedented crisis. Nobody thought we should do it. And when I did it... But what did you do with the time that you bought? You know the we month did? of February. That, you that know we did? What do you do? What do you do when you have no case in the whole United States? You had cases when in you, February. You, excuse me. You reported it. 
Zero cases, zero deaths on January 17th. January. February, the entire January, I said in January. Video has a complete gap. On January 30th. What did your administration do in February with the time that your travel ban bought A lot. A lot. And in fact, we'll give you a list. What we did, in fact, part of it was up there. It we did a lot. A look, look. You know you're a fake. You know that your whole network, the way you cover it, is fake. And most of you, and not all of you, but the people are wise to you. That's why you have a lower, a lower approval rating than you've ever had before, times probably three. And when you ask me that question, let me ask you this. Why didn't Biden, why didn't, why did Biden apologize? Why did he write a letter of apology? No, that's very important. Why did the Democrats think that I acted too quickly? You know why? Because they really thought that I acted too quickly. We have done a great job. Now, I could have, I could have kept it open. And I could have done what some countries are doing. They're getting beat up pretty badly. I could have kept it open. I thought of keeping it open because nobody's ever heard of closing down a country, let alone the United States of America. But if I would have done that, we would have had hundreds of thousands of people that would right now be dead. We've done this right. And we, we really, we really have done this right. The problem is the press doesn't cover it the way it should be. Go ahead. One more question, Steve. He is so worried about the fake news, about TV ratings, about holding rallies and golfing, about Obama. It seems that he is worried about everything but preventing more Americans from getting infected and or dying. This man is an ignorant child who refuses to grow up at a time when it is imperative that he does. A narcissistic megalomaniac whose egomania perpetually clouds his judgment and prevents him from seeing things how they actually are. The scary part is that Trump has established a growing cult of personality in America. He has established full control over his followers and what they think. Trump cannot do no wrong in their eyes. You present them with all the facts about his inadequate leadership during this pandemic and they will cry fake news, which is terrifying. He's building a following of bigoted Christians with a value system consisting of three things, guns, God, and Donald. These are the people attending his rallies, the ones protesting stay-at-home orders by exercising their rights to bear arms. The ones who are wondering whether they should inject themselves with disinfectants or take hydroxychloroquine or chloroquine based on the president's suggestions. You see, throughout March and April, the president had mentioned these drugs a number of times, despite there being no strong evidence su suggesting that they could be used as treatment against the coronavirus. In March, Trump first touted two existing drugs, chloroquine and its derivative hydroxychloroquine, as potential treatments for COVID-19. Both drugs are used to treat malaria, lupus, and rheumatoid arthritis. The president was pushing for off-label use of hydroxychloroquine for COVID-19, even though Dr. Fauci said at a March 20th briefing that the drug is unproven for COVID-19. Dr. Fauci, uh, as was explained yesterday, there has been some promise with hydroxychloroquine, this potential therapy for people who are infected with coronavirus. Is there any evidence to suggest that, as with malaria, it might be used as a prophylaxis against COVID-19? No, the answer is, is no. But the information that you're referring to specifically is anecdotal. It was not done in a controlled clinical trial, so you really can't make any definitive statement about it. Still, on at least five occasions in April, Trump made false and misleading claims about the benefits of hydroxychloroquine as a treatment for COVID-19 while downplaying the drug's risks. We're just hearing really positive stories, and we're continuing to collect the data, but uh, I, I'll just speak for myself. Uh, it's been out for a long time. It's a malaria drug. It's also a drug for lupus. And there's a, uh, there's a study out that uh, people with lupus aren't 
catching this horrible virus are not — they're not affected so much by it. Now, maybe that's correct. Maybe it's false. You're going to have to check it out. And there's also other studies, you know, with the malaria, that the malaria countries have very little people that take this drug for malaria, which is very effective for malaria, that those countries have very little of this virus. I don't know. You're going to check it out. And the other thing that we've bought a tremendous amount of is the hydroxychloroquine, hydroxychloroquine, which I think as you know, it's a great malaria drug. It's worked unbelievably. It's a powerful drug on malaria. Uh, and there are signs that it works on this, some very strong signs. But here are the facts. There is no study that shows people suffering from lupus do not contract COVID-19. And, in fact, lupus patients have contracted the disease. And there are no studies that show malaria countries have very little of this virus. To the contrary, we found that hydroxychloroquine is not widely used for malaria in much of the world. Toward the end of April, the president stopped talking about hydroxychloroquine. On April 24th, the FDA issued a warning against using hydroxychloroquine or chloroquine for COVID-19 outside of the hospital setting or clinical trial due to risk of heart rhythm problems. This promotion of these drugs, despite their effectiveness not being proven, was suspicious at worst, but now we have a better picture as to Trump's intentions, thanks to a whistleblower complaint filed by Dr. Rick Bright earlier this week, who was fired from his post as director of the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority after fighting against the administration's promotion of these drugs. As Alex Woodward at Independent reports, he argued to the White House officials that the use of the drugs, which the Federal Food and Drug Administration later warned against using, lacked scientific merit. While the administration pushed to flood parts of the U.S. with drugs imported from factories in Pakistan and India that had not been inspected by the FDA. Further on, it reads, he repeatedly clashed with his boss, Dr. Robert Cadlick, Health and Human Service Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response, over the outsized role of pharmaceutical consultant John Clericky, Clericy within the agency, the complaint says. To justify extending funding to a pharmaceutical company, Mr. Clarkey, see, said the CEO was a, quote, friend of Jared Kushner, the president's senior advisor and son-in-law, according to the complaint. Dr. Bright claims that his warnings in January of the virus's rapid spread were ignored by the White House. I want to read more from this article because it's very important. It reads, Mr. Cadillac had failed to inform Congress about his long-lasting relationship with Emergent Biosolutions, which received a government contract worth more than $2 billion. His efforts undermine all rules and procedures designed to ensure public safety and to avoid corruption in the award of billions of dollars in government funds, as Dr. Bright and others spent valuable time during the pandemic fending off improper and often illegal requests from private industry and their agents, the complaint says. Now, Trump responded to this by saying that Bright, quote, seems like a disgruntled employee who's trying to help the Democrats win the election, end quote. If proven to be true, this proves that Trump places little value in human life. This should all be taken with a grain of salt, however. Not everything we read is true. But it is important to present this complaint as it does help paint the picture of the Trump administration's delayed response and pseudoscientific solutions to the coronavirus. There's a connection between everything. The timeline doesn't lie. And it is very clear that the president ignored warnings from health experts regarding the coronavirus and the spread of disinformation regarding hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine until to prepare the country for this pandemic. And his supporters will still deny this.
Listen, I have talked for quite a bit, and there are so many more things I could say about people's response to the pandemic and the quarantine, and about Trump and his terrible personality traits, which led to an even worse response to his no- to this novel disease. Disease, but uh, I'm gonna end it at that. I I feel that I got a lot of what I wanted to say off my chest, so I will keep everything I didn't talk about to myself for now. Possibly include them in a potential follow-up episode in season two. This episode is probably an example of the most negative this show will get, <laughs> but I feel that the severity of the issue and the lack of accountability from those in positions of power as well as us as individuals being, sh- you know, shamefully lacking warrants such a critical look into the current events in our nation. I just want what most people want for our lives to go back to normal. I've already accepted that normal will look a lot, you know, different than what we were used to before this pandemic. The future is uncertain, that's for sure, <laughs> and we need to be more empathetic if we're to ensure a bright future for everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you may have learned something or got some form of entertainment from this. I really want to know what you thought about the new format and style of the series, about my opinions and the topics I chose to discuss. Let me know what you agree or disagree with. If you enjoyed the show and appreciate the time and effort I put into researching, writing, recording, and editing it, please consider supporting me on Patreon at patreon.com slash social medicine. There's only one tier of a dollar a month, and that's for anyone who enjoys the show and wants to help build it. I sincerely appreciate anyone who has made it this far. I cannot tell you how happy I am to be doing this again. Social medicine is a passion project, and I feel confident that with your support, I can make each episode as great as possible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And may God bless you all. Please stay safe and stay sane. Goodbye.